Welcome to the 34-Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take with, the adventure us. with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. Welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb. And as always, uh, we are here to talk some classical history. Uh, please, though, if you have a chance to, uh, on your platform, give us a nice rating and a nice comment that helps people find us, helps us uh, get these stories out to the world, uh, of the classical world, but also of other parts of our culture and of the future. We cover everything on the Parallax. And today, this is Classical Studies 101. We're talking about the Iliad and who better to guide us on the journey of the Iliad but the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Oh, thank you. Great, great, great to be back again. Listen to that adoring crowd, those adoring fans. Yeah, well, so, very nice. Gary, we're going to talk uh, chapter 16 of the Iliad. We're, we're coming down to the uh, home stretch for this epic work. So what? give us a quick recap of uh, chapter 15, and then uh, give us an overview of chapter 16. Well, 15 was uh, you know, about uh, you know, continuing with the war and, uh, and how... Uh, Hector almost uh, was able to uh, attack the Greeks and burn the ships, you know, deprive them of an escape route, you know. And uh, with 16, and again, I keep going back to this old Harvard translation for the synopsis. Sure. Uh, by uh, Andrew Lang, Walter Leaf, and Ernest Myers, 1883 translation, which I like. And they have a little synopsis in book 16 and it says, how Patroclus, as they call him, or Patroclus, um, you know, people spell it differently, L-U-S or L-O-S. L-O-S is more keeping with ancient Greek. How Patroclus fought in the armor of Achilles and drove the Trojans from the ships, but was slain at last by Hector. So that's the, the very brief synopsis. So this means trouble for our old protagonist Achilles because that is his good buddy uh, so it sounds like this is going to be a chapter that's going to produce a lot of anxiety in the great warrior now Patroclus um, was uh, a fellow warrior with mm -hmm. Achilles um, but he was also his cousin and, and many mm -hmm. think he was his lover you know uh, right right so there was a close relationship between the two and uh obviously and so, you know, if, if, he's, if, if he was his cousin it's a form of incest uh and i guess the ancient greeks like a, a, a major professor at ucla when i was a student there said and i quote incest is better than no cest at all wow boy i don't know if uh i don't think that would fly very well with the uh 
with the fundamentalists or the uh, not at traditionalists all. here in America. Not but, at all. The majority but, of people but, are against incest. There's laws in certain states, you know, against incest. With with good reason, I think we'd all agree. But uh, I think the interesting thing, though, is for the Greeks, there's so many mores that we have that they uh, transgressed, to use the term from our standpoint, that it's a very different world that they lived in. So clearly, okay, so yeah. you've got Achilles has a some very close relationship to this character. And you, you uh, Patroclus is the way, I, would, I was always pronouncing it slightly different. So Patroclus, we're going to say. Uh, so there's a close relationship with Patroclus. And so this chapter they, they is were about the best what happens of, to him. They were not only uh, comrades in arms, they, they were the best of friends, you know. And, right, uh, right. And or, some or, say they were lovers, so they're that close, that exactly. close you know. So let's, let's jump into the chapters. What's going on? Yeah, and as I, I keep saying, I'm using Robert Fagel's 1990 translation of the Iliad. And he labels, he has titles for the chapters, and he entitles the chapter Patroclus, spelled C-L-U-S, mm-hmm. Patroclus fights and dies. And uh, so this is still the situation where Achilles is refusing to fight for the Greeks because uh, he was insulted by Agamemnon, and we explained before, because Agamemnon took away Briseis, the uh, love slave of Achilles, and Achilles is upset about that. Right. This is the diva period, and, and it's it's hard to overlook all of this stuff, the love slaves, the, the younger cousins, all this stuff, the Greek world and the Roman world, but the, the ancient world of the, the Greco-Roman was an incredibly patriarchal, not conducive, not accepting of the rights of women, the rights of outsiders. They kept slaves. This is a different kind of universe. So we have our diva in their universe. The diva in our universe would be the, let's say, pro football player who is the maybe the best on the team, could be the quarterback, could be the wide receiver, any number of positions. And they hold out because they want to get paid more. They feel they're not being appreciated. And in yeah. some sense, Achilles is in that role. He's the diva athlete who's saying, I'm not going on the battlefield, pal, until you give me what I think I deserve. So you guys go fight on your own. Uh, there's a couple of players today who are doing that. So anyway, so that's what that's the situation. Yeah, you can relate it to the contemporary sports scene. I think that's a good analogy. Mm-hmm. Because the sports hero of today is the equivalent of the uh, warrior heroes of the Bronze Age Greeks. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way for people to connect with it. So anyhow, this is the opening of the chapter translated by Fagels. So they fought to the death, meaning the Greeks and the Trojans, around the benched, beaked ship. Uh, And in the meantime... Patroclus reached Achilles. In other words, he went to see Achilles and try to see what he could do to stop this Trojan assault, you know? So he uh, reached Achilles, his great commander, and wept warm tears like a dark spring running down some desolate rock face, its shaded currents flowing. And the brilliant runner Achilles saw him coming filled with pity and spoke out winging words. That's that's a common epithet of uh, Homer's, say, winged words, which I think is beautiful. Um, so, so Achilles is saying, Why in tears, Patroclus, like a girl, a baby, running after her mother, 
begging to be picked up as she tugs at her skirts, holding back as she tries to hurry off all tears, uh, fawning at her until she takes her in her arms. That's how you look, Patroclus, streaming live tears. But why? Some news for the, from the Myrmidons. Now, the Myrmidons were Achilles' troops, and Myrmidon means warrior ant. So it's interesting that his troops were named warrior ants. Interesting. Is there anything about uh, uh, anything about his troops that he, they decided, or he decided to give them that nickname? Perhaps the uh, shields, how they were dressed, the way they fought, anything like that. I I I have never heard about that, but it's an interesting question. Okay. So, uh, any some news from the Myrmidons? News for me? Some message from Pythia? Now, Pythia is the name of Achilles' kingdom and what is now Thessaly, and uh, that's how the movie Troy got it wrong, by the way, because they had Achilles uh, with a, a king attacking, uh, quote, the king of uh, Thessaly. Achilles was the king of Thessaly. You know? so mm, yeah. They really got that wrong in the movie Troy. Among the many things that we uh, critique them on. Yeah. Um, they tell me that Manetius, actor's son, in other words, there was a guy named Actor, which is interesting, and still alive, and so on. Um, and uh, or, or weeping over the Argives. Argives is another name for the uh, the Greeks. Are you are you seeing them die against the hollow ships, repaid for their offenses? In other words, he's saying that they deserve to die because of the way they're uh, insulting them, the Greeks. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Out with it now, Patroclus. Don't harbor it deep within you. We must share it all. Uh, with a with a wrenching groan, Patroclus replied, "Achilles, son of Peleus, greatest of the Achaeans or the Greeks, spare me your anger, please. Such heavy blows have overwhelmed the troops. Our former champions are all laid up in the ships. All are hit by arrows or run through by spears." There's powerful Diomedes brought down by an archer. Odysseus is wounded. And Agamemnon, too. Agamemnon, uh, as we said, you know, is the high king, the leader of the Greeks against the Trojans. And Eurypolis took an arrow shot in his thigh. Healers are working on them, using all their drugs, trying to bind the wounds and so on. But are you intractable, Achilles? Pray God such anger never seizes me, such rage you nurse. Cursed in your own courage, what good still a man, even one of the next generation, get from you unless you defend the Argives from disaster? And so then uh, Patroclus goes on to uh, basically say, since Achilles won't fight, can Patroclus put on his armor? Because then the Greeks are going to think that it's Achilles leading them, and they'll fight all the harder and hopefully— succeed to drive back the Trojans. So he says, um, let the whole Myrmidon army, meaning Achilles' army, follow my command. I might bring some light of victory to our, our guys, or Greeks, and give you, uh, and give me your own fine armor to buckle on my back so the Trojans might uh, take me for you, Achilles, yes. And, and that's what happened. He said, the enemy's battle-weary. In other words, he thinks they're ready to be driven back, you know? Mm-hmm. We could roll those Trojans back to Troy, clear the ships and our shelters. So he pleaded, 
condemned to beg for his own death and brutal doom. It's basically a, a Homer's foreshadowing what's going to happen to Patroclus. Um, and uh, so anyhow, uh, Achilles' answer, uh, no, no, my prince, Patroclus, what are you saying? So on. None of that touches me. Uh, and so he's saying uh, that he, he wants nothing to do with uh, Agamemnon, you know, who exulting in his own power. That's the pain that wounds me, suffering such humiliation. That girl, the sons of Achaea, picked her as my prize, meaning Briseis, after I sacked a walled city. Right from my grasp, uh, he tears her from me, mighty Agamemnon, treating me like some vagabond, some outcast stripped of my rights. Enough, you know. Still, by God, I said I would not relax my anger, not till the cries and carnies reached my own ships. Mm -hmm. So then he agrees. He suddenly agrees. And he says, so you now strap on my splendid armor on your back and lead our battle-hungry Myrmidons into action. Well, why do you think he just lets uh, Patroclus do this as opposed to now that the it, the cries have reached him? Why doesn't he just say, okay, look, I'll just put the armor on and get to get fighting? Because he knows that it will be eventually disclosed that it's not him, it's Patroclus, and, uh, and, and he, uh, he thinks and knows that uh, <clears throat> in Homer's world, if your hero doesn't fight for you, you're not going to win. Mm -hmm. And so what he knows is that Agamemnon's going to have to relent and let let it, give Achilles what he wants, give his girl back and 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 uh, compensation and treasure and so on. And then Achilles will take up the battle. Okay. All right. So so Patroclus straps on the armor, goes into. Well, battle. I I'm going to get to that. Okay. And he says. So you can win great honor and glory for me in all the eyes of the Greek ranks until they send her back, my life and lovely girl, and top it off with troves of glittering gifts, meaning treasure. Once you have whipped the enemy from the fleet, you must come back, Patroclus. You must not burn for war against these Trojans, not without me. So he's telling him, just drive him back into the city, but don't go any further, you know? And so, um, and, and he says, because then we could bring Troy's hallowed crown of towers toppling down around us, you and I alone. And so, so, uh, so he has very, I mean, clearly we can tell from this passage, the closeness, the attachment, you know, whatever that they have between them. But and you can see that he wants to fight with him, fight side by side. And that seems to mean, something uh, very deep for the ancient Greeks to be side by side with the, the oh, yes. person you, you care about. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So what's, what goes next? And then uh, Homer, uh, you know, uh, goes back and talks about how dire the Greek situation is. He says, Ajax could not hold his post on his deck any longer and driven back and so on. Um, and, um, and then Homer says, sing to me now, you muses. And by the way, there were nine muses, uh, sacred number nine. Right, right. Says, so sing to me now, you muses who hold Olympus's vaulting halls. 
how fire was first pitched on the Achaeans uh, or the Greek ships. And then they, he has a little uh, segment here where Hector is a, lunging at Ajax with his ashwood uh, spear and so on. And Ajax has one and uh, Hector cuts it off. He says, cut off the head, clean off, you know. And again, Homer specifies it's a bronze head. Homer keeps specifying that the weapons are bronze because Homer wrote in the Iron Age where the weapons were iron. And so this helps define the fact that the story took place in the Bronze Age. Exactly. We've talked about that before, right? We, there are some questions as to whether who wrote this, when it was written, all those sorts of things. But as you keep pointing out, there's a lot of stuff in these in, in these passages that indicate this is a bronze, this is an authentically Bronze Age story. And, and the, it's not like again, it's not like today where a writer would have this this wealth of information at his fingertips or her fingertips uh, to be able to say, okay, let's do research into what life was like back in the year a thousand years before me or six hundred years before me. No, that 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 just would not have been that simple, particularly at this time. And so the fact that all that information is in this story is, I think, a really good indication that this is an authentic piece of work from that time period. I totally or of agree. that time period, sure. Yeah. And the, the Bronze Age in Greece lasted from about 1600 B.C. to 1100 B.C. with the Trojan War happening around 1200 B.C. Mm -hmm. That's what the uh, most scholars believe. Um, and um, so, you know, he's going on saying Zeus uh, had determined to, to grant the Trojans triumph and so on. So then Achilles uh, wants to stop it. And so he says, to arms, Patroclus, prince and master horseman. I can see the blaze go roaring up the ships. They must not destroy them. No escape route then. Quick, strap on my gear. I'll rouse our troops. In other words, he's going to tell his troops to follow Patroclus. And then there, uh, Homer describes Patroclus putting on the armor. And this is a big deal in Bronze Age. Uh, sensibility, and there's even a term for putting on your armor. They they actually showed that in the movie Troy with uh, mm -hmm. Brad Pitt as Achilles putting on his armor, and um, uh, what's his name uh, who played Hector putting on his armor? Eric Banner. Yeah, Eric Banner. And um, so the term is Aristea for putting on your armor. And so this is how Homer described it. Patroclus armed himself in Achilles' gleaming bronze. First, he wrapped his legs with well-made greaves. They, you know, they cover your shins. Turned behind the heels with silver ankle clasps. Next, he strapped a breastplate around his chest, blazoned with stars. Then over his shoulder, Patroclus sung the slung the sword of fine bronze blade. Again, he's emphasizing bronze with a silver studded hilt. And they've actually found swords like this on Bronze Age sites in Greece. And then he, uh, the shield strap holds the sturdy, massive shield over his powerful head. And then he set on the well-forged helmet, a horsehair crest atop it tossing, bristling terror. And then he took up two rugged spears of Pelion ash wood. So now he's armed. 
and um, and then he goes to Achilles' charioteer, uh, whose name is Automedon, and tells him, you know, to get on the chariot and lead the uh, the army. So, Achilles' charioteer is it? Does that mean that someone wrote, drove the chariot for Achilles? Yes. That's, that's oh, what they did. They would have. Is that a, how it worked? Oh, interesting. Okay, I for, you know you see in the movies. It's always, of course, the movies are almost always off. Yeah, that's um, the way they had it in the movie Troy, but that's not the way the ancient Greeks did it. They had a chariot driver, and that freed up the warrior to, you know, shoot a bow or or stab his spears or throw his spears. Got he didn't it. have that to worry about sense. driving the chariot. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, Patroclus ordered Automedon to yoke the horses. And then he describes the name of the horses, Rowan, Rowan Beauty, Dapple, Lightfoot, and Bold Dancer. Those are the names of Achilles' horses. War horses, they, you know, they're called. Right, right. And then Prince Achilles, ranging his ranks of Myrmidons, arrayed them along the shelters. They were all in armor, hungry as wolves, and so on. And then he uh, directs the Myrmidon captains, and so on. So it goes on to describe that. And then Homer has a digression, and he says that uh, Achilles sailed to Troy on 50 ships. And he says, 50 fighters aboard each, manning the oarlocks. Five captains. Five is half of ten, which is a sacred number. But anyhow, according to Homer here, Achilles led 2,500 men into the Trojan War. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so then he describes the different captains and, and so on. And then, uh, uh, you know, he tells, he urges his Myrmidons, you know, to uh, follow Patroclus. And uh, so each man tense with courage, you know, fight the Trojans down. That was the cry that fired each soldier's heart, hearing the king's command. You know, they thought they were hearing their king's command, but it wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And then Achilles praised to Zeus, which is interesting. And Zeus, in all his wisdom, heard it, those prayers. One prayer the father granted, the other... Uh, Denied because uh, Achilles uh, tells him, you know, to let Patroclus drive back the uh, Greeks, I mean, the Trojans into Troy and come home safe, you know, alive. So that's what uh, Homer means by Zeus's wisdom granted one prayer, but the other, the other meaning to let. Patroclus come back alive, he denied. And that shows you the capriciousness of the gods, you know? We talked about that in the last chapter, just the, the fact that the gods seem to be playing with the lives and the fates of human beings in in the way they're portrayed by the Greek writers and about the, the Greek, the great Greek poets. It's just a, a capricious world, like what you were saying. So, And then uh, Homer says that the... Uh, you know, uh, Achilles' men uh, swarmed forth like wasps from a roadside nest, which I think is interesting. Uh, so they go into battle, you know. 
and it says uh, the Trojans, um, when they saw uh, what they thought was Achilles leading the troops, um, quote, all their courage quaked, their columns buckled. Each Trojan soldier glancing left and right, but uh, he would run from sudden plunging death. So they, they, they start retreating. And so uh, Patroclus is being successful to drive them back, you know. The Trojans scattered back with high shrill cries. The Argives and Greeks poured against them, backed by the hollow holes. And then they drive them away from that. Uh, and then they're killing each men pell-mell. Use that term, pell-mell. Uh, and then, then he mentions the uh, Menelaus, you know, the war was fought because, uh, allegedly, because uh, Prince Paris took Helen of Troy from Menelaus, the wife and queen of, of uh, Sparta. And Menelaus was, you know, the king of Sparta and the husband of uh, Helen. And so it says Menelaus wounded Thoas, uh, you know, a, a Trojan, so on. And it talks about Nestor's son on the attack and Sarpedon and so on, and and, uh, and lesser Ajax, which he refers to as uh, Oilean, O-I-L-E-A-N, Oilean Ajax. So he's talking about how these different warriors are doing in battle, you know. And then it talks about great Ajax now, forever aiming at Hector, trying to strike his helmet, flashing bronze, but Hector was too far seasoned, combat tested. Broad shoulders hunching under his bold eye, bull's hide shield. And that's interesting. It's not metal. And we know from depictions that the Bronze Age Greeks had bull hide shields, and they're huge shields. They're not round. They're more uh, rectangular, actually. And then Hector sees that they have to retreat, and so it says uh, Hector's speeding horses swept them away, and so on. Uh, and uh, so it goes on describing, you know, the, the battle and the various uh, players in the battle and so on, you know. Uh, right, right. So they've driven the so they've driven them back. Yeah, is what it's okay. So the, I should say the Greeks have driven the Trojans back. Okay. And uh, so, uh, so that's one of the prayers that uh, Achilles asked of Zeus: drive the Trojans back, drive them away from the ships. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So what about the second part of it with Patroclus? Yeah, and so it's talking about how uh, uh, Sarpedon, you know, a Trojan is trying to kill Patroclus, but he can't do it, you know. And uh, but but uh, Patroclus hits him in the midriff, you know, with a spear. And it says hits Sarpedon. Who? Sarpedon. Okay. Sarpedon uh, falls like an oak or white poplar falls or a towering pine and so on. Death cut him short. And um, and then it talks about Hector fighting the, the Greeks and uh, and, talk, and he comes up against a, a Greek uh, warrior named uh, Epigeus and says Hector smacks his head with a rock. And in other words, Hector throws a lot of rocks. They, and he just, just don't throw spears and Slice with swords, they throw, they throw boulders as well, you know. 
Well, you think about, we talked about this before, you think about what a war, what a battle was in this era. A battle was literally like a street fight. I mean, it's just a bunch of guys lined up against each other using whatever weapons they got, you know, spears, swords, if they got rocks, you know, I mean, it would be the equivalent today if they showed up with pipes and wrenches and you know what I mean? So it's it's pretty nasty. It's pretty nasty hand-to-hand combat. It really is. Very bloody hand-to-hand combat. So it says Hector smacks his head with a rock, his whole skull split in, in his massive helmet. Down he slammed on Sarpedon's body, face first, and courage shattering death engulfed his course. So uh, Hector threw a big rock, it says. Um, and then it mentions Aeneas, who's a Trojan, hurls his brazen spear at Marionis. And we know dodged. why Aeneas is, uh, you know why he's important. Yeah. Because why, Gary? Why is Aeneas important? Because he would found the greatest empire the West has ever known, Rome. Well, according anyway. to Virgil, which okay. wasn't wasn't true, but uh, that was the, the myth. Oh, of, oh, don't be a hater. It's okay. I'm not so. a hater. I'm just getting the truth out. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we'll have we're gonna have a Rome episode with you, Gary. We're gonna get to the real truth of that. Okay. That world. All right. So, so Aeneas, you were saying. So. Um, Anyhow, they, they, they're yelling at each other and says, Aeneas, great man of war, as you are, you'll find it hard to quench the fire of every man who fights you and so on. And that's a, uh, you know, a Greek replying to Aeneas' uh, taunts, you know. Um, and uh, so Hector finally says, uh, retreat Trojans now. So he finally sees they just can't win and they got to go back to Troy, you know. And so... Uh, he says he knew that Zeus had tipped the scales against him, and so he had to uh, rush back to uh, Troy. And so, um, uh, okay, we're coming coming up to the uh, the, uh, the the our time limit. So, yeah. what what happens? So anyhow, what happens to they, our, they, to, they uh, have um, uh, you know Patroclus uh, goes to the uh, Troy, and he tries to. Uh, he forgets what Achilles said, and he tries to uh, conquer Troy. And he actually, uh, you know, climbs up three times. Uh, he charts, you know, the walls of Troy, and and three times uh, the god Apollo, who supports the uh, Trojans, pushed him back down. And three is a sacred number, you know. And so, anyhow, and then they. Uh, uh, in front of the Skian gates, the main gates of Troy, he encounters uh, Hector, and uh, and so they 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 battle, and uh, and finally it says here Hector rushing into him right across the lines and rammed his spear shaft home, stabbing deep in uh, Patroclus's bowels with his brazen point. With the point jutting straight out through Patroclus's back, down Patroclus crashed. Horror gripped the Achaean armies, as when some lion overpowers a tireless wild boar. With a close thrust, Hector, the son of Priam, tore the life from the fighting man of Menetius from Patroclus, and gloried over him. So this is wild winging words. Patroclus, surely you must have thought you'd storm my city down. You'd rest from the wives of Troy their day of freedom and dragged him off in ships to your own dear fatherland, you fool. 
You know, I fight away from them the fatal day, but you, the vultures, will eat your body raw. In other words, Hector kills Patroclus. And that's a major uh, turning point because that's going to galvanize Achilles to get back into the war. And Hector kills him thinking he's killed Achilles. Initially, yes, but then he understands because he actually, I guess the helmet comes off and he does address him as Patroclus. Okay, so he's he's aware and the Greeks are aware. So how does the chapter end? Well, it ends with that, you know. The death cut, cut him short, the end closed in around him, flying free from his limbs, his soul went winging down to the house of Hades or death. But glorious Hector taunted Patroclus's body, dead as he would. Why, Patroclus, why prophesy my doom, my sudden death? Who knows? Achilles, the son of sleek Heratidas, may outrace me, struck by my spear first and grasped away his life. In other words, he's saying that he may well kill Achilles, even though Achilles thinks he's the greatest warrior, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's that's so, how it ends. So, wow, that's an intense ending. So let's stop right there. Okay. We now have a great point from which to launch into our next episode on the Iliad because it is all going to come to a, a big uh, fruition in the next few chapters because we know what's going to happen once Achilles gets into it. It will be a lot of bloodshed. So thank you, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This has been the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. We are doing our Classical Studies 101 series. We were talking of the Iliad. We will be back soon. Take care.